baseball i am sean and i'm eds and we're doing baseball we're a bi-weekly baseball history podcast where uh we exchange stories from baseball's past where uh the recipient of the story doesn't know what the uh, storyteller is going to be talking about so absolutely and i have hinted at this story for a while i've had this loaded up ready to go for a few weeks yeah it's been burning a hole in your pocket so it's finally here oh it's finally here and my next one too i don't even want to get ahead of myself (laughs) but oh my goodness uh if you didn't listen to our previous episode go back check it out stanley kirk burrell uh, you will know yes. him by a different Oakland name. Oakland legend. You will know him by a different name, but we know him as Stanley Kirk Burrell, and we understand now the influence that Charles Finley had on pop culture, even more so than our Charles Finley episode. Yes. Uh, so stoked. So stoked. It's spring training, Edzie. Yep. It's been nice here. We are in Ontario. Yeah, it has been nice here. It is. It's a little bit cold today. Yeah, but, uh, but it's sunny. It's, it was sunny. And the snow's mostly melted. It's mostly gone. It's almost totally gone at my house. So you know what? Springtime, baby. You got a springtime story? No. Oh. I'm just stoked for baseball. Oh, okay. That's what I was alluding to. I'm like, it's... it's. Uh. Yeah, it's here. It's yeah. here. Yeah. Well, let's see. So this you'll be listening to this one probably on the uh, 17th. Uh, so from that, it's literally two weeks until opening day. Mm-hmm. So amazing. Uh, so we got a doozy uh, before we start. Follow us on Twitter. At, at Doing Baseball. And uh, the Instagram is? At, at Doing.Baseball. Yep. Uh, I don't know if you know this, but we have our individual Twitter accounts too. Uh, I'm at Birds Baby Birds. And I'm at the Ed 17 We've never really done that, but. Eh, no, we haven't been to. There's nothing really for. I don't really have anything to plug about my Twitter. But anyway, you can follow me if you want, but. Yeah. 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 <laughs> you have access to mine too, so yeah. Sometimes you tweet off mine. That's what I do that's not on purpose. Well, that was our yeah, well it's totally accidental. Well, we did set it up as a as a tandem thing when we first started podcasting right, we together. Were like a couple's Facebook and, and then, then you uh, yeah. just left me and yeah, you were I was like, like no, I need a separation yeah. from your bullshit. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> I need to get away from these uh arguments with the Texas Rangers fans. Okay, you know what? Fuck <laughs> it was two thousand sixteen. You know what? I wake up. And I see... It wasn't that I disagreed with you. It was just like, ah, oh, there's just <laughs> several notifications at all hours of the day. They're in a totally different time zone than us. Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay, right. story. Story. Uh, this is... I'm so excited for this one. So, uh, yeah, honestly, it's been weeks. I can't wait. Uh, and it starts with a little bit of a local twist if you're listening uh, from right here in Ontario. So, let's begin. In the early 1950s... John and Helen Giannoulis, I've been practicing, Giannoulis, <laughs> uh, like so many other Europeans after World War II, packed their bags and emigrated from Greece to North America. And where did they end up? Somewhere in Ontario. London, Ontario. London, Ontario. Okay. So you're going from Greece to London, Ontario. I went Ontario. to school there. Yeah. Yeah, you did. You lived there for a, for a little bit. Yeah. You got hit by a car there. I did get hit by a car <laughs> in London. <laughs> Um, <laughs> they gave birth uh, to their first son, Ted, on August 17th, 1953. <laughs> You're just thinking about getting hit by that car. Yeah, that fuck. <laughs> so. It's a terrible memory. Okay, so it's Ted. Ted, Ted Giannoulis. Ted Giannoulis. And honestly, I hope I'm saying that right. Sounds I re- right to me. I listened to, uh, uh, now I'm already getting off, uh, off subject, but I listened to a, a YouTube video and I realized that, that, uh. Uh, Lyman Bostock might have been better referred to as Lyman Bostock. So, uh, oh, really? Damn. <laughs> damn. Damn. Okay. <laughs> we messed up. So Ted Giannoulis, if that's how you say it, have you heard of Ted Giannoulis? No. I guarantee you, you have. Okay. Uh, but by a different name. Uh, so he was to become one of the most influential people in all sports history. Not just baseball history, but sports history. Hmm. Randomly plucked from obscurity and set on a path to become one of baseball's most well-known figures, 
even if his name's not familiar to most baseball fans. Yeah, I've never heard of him. So Ted grew up in London. He spent his first 16 years in London. His dad was never a sports fan, but Ted read the sporting news regularly. He'd read the whole thing front to back, and he was a huge, huge baseball fan. Mm -hmm. So he ran the scoreboard uh, for the London Pontiacs at Labac Park as a young boy. Okay, cool. Yeah, one of the oldest parks in North America. I was going to say, I think it is the oldest park. Yeah, yeah. You you texted me that right (laughs) around the time I had found this little tidbit so i was like ah. coincidences man. yeah so as fate would have it uh ted's father john went and visited some family friends down in san diego in the mid 60s so he came back and he was like fuck london san diego uh, under- <laughs> i i agree well <laughs> i mean not that there's anything wrong with london it's just i've been to san diego and san- i mean it's nice yeah it is nice Carry on. Yeah. So the climate reminded him of uh, the ho- his homeland, Greece, and the culture shock of the long Midwestern winters that we have in southern Ontario had never really become something that he enjoyed or embraced. Mm-hmm. Uh, so John uh, immediately applied for residency in the United States, and in 1969, the family was accepted. Uh, so Ted's 16. Uh, so John and Helen pack him up with his two younger sisters into the car, and they set out for San Diego. So... Okay. Yeah, they flee Europe, they end up in London, and then they're like... They're like, ah, winter's pretty harsh here. Yeah. Dad goes to San Diego, he's like, yo, it's 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 beautiful, it's yeah. hot all the time. Yes. They go down there. I, I, I feel like I might have written this in somewhere, but his dad was a restauranteur, and his mom was a professional seamstress. Okay. Yes. Just throwing that out there. All right. So Ted was enrolled at Herbert Hoover High School in San Diego. Uh, just it's quick. Quite a f- bit of alliteration. Yes, yes. Herbert, Ho- Herbert Hoover High School, uh, one of the worst presidents in United States history, but we won't talk about that. But also <laughs> the same high school that Ted Williams attended. Oh, interesting. Yeah, but many years earlier, obviously. Right, right. So Ted Giannoulis was thrilled to be in the same school, like be in the same space that Ted Williams had been in. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, he began writing fervently about sports for the school's newspaper. He decided a job as a sports writer was his dream. He won numerous awards for his writing and even turned down the job of editing the school newspaper so he could stay on the sports beat. Oh, so, so he's like super committed to being a sports writer. Then, absolutely. Obviously. But there's another thing. He excelled in another subject in school, which was drama. Uh, And he was encouraged by his drama teacher to pursue acting. Uh, But sports was still Ted's main focus. So he went to San Diego State University, Tony Gwen's university, Mm -hmm. uh, to study journalism and would graduate with honors in 1976. But before he graduated, fate intervened and set Ted on a course nobody, not even he, saw coming. Okay. It's <laughs> a nice lead in. There we go. I was like, I have written this and written this. Sometimes you get my like rough copy. This is this is the novel the editors right. had their hands on. Okay. Um, in March 1974, uh, was uh, the campus was almost empty and many students uh, away for the March break. Aboard Ted headed to the school radio station to see who was around just to hang out. So he's hanging out in his dorm. He's like, no one's here. Well, I got some we'll friends go out of the radio station. station. Yeah. Check it out. So they're hanging out in the radio station uh, when a representative of the hilariously named for the time KGB San Diego Rock Station uh, came in seeking uh, somebody out to help with a new promotion. Okay. So they come in. They're like, hey, I'm from KGB Radio. Who wants the job doing our promotion? And everyone's like, yeah. Yeah. Uh, there are a bunch of university students that are at a radio station. Mm-hmm. KGB radio or KGB FM radio was a really big deal for the youth of San Diego. So I think it was one of the only rock stations really or in the area at the time. And they all felt that they would do anything for a chance to be like any part of this station because mm-hmm. it just had cred. Mm-hmm. Uh, when the men said they would have to wear a chicken costume, there was a brief pause, but all still, all five were still eager uh, to do whatever the station guy asked. <laughs> In another faithful moment, the decision was made. Ted reflected on the moment, I quote, when he saw me towards the back corner, he immediately had his answer. You, the short guy, you'll fit the chicken suit the best of all. <laughs> That's... Well, I guess 
That's the criteria, eh? Yeah. Just so fitting I, the suit. I think I know where this is going. But yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I had you all mixed up with the, that sports writing part. Yeah, but I've got two and two together now, I yeah. think. So a 20-year-old Ted uh, stood at about five foot two. Wow, short guy. Yeah, and I've seen, I you know, I read lots of different uh, accounts and lots of different interviews and articles and all that. But yeah, I, I got everywhere from like five foot to five foot three, but like mm-hmm. definitely no bigger than that. Yeah. And five two was the most uh, commonly referred to one. I think I heard him say it himself. Um, so uh, the gig was at the San Diego Zoo and they were going to be handing out Easter eggs in a chicken costume. So he did so throughout the March break uh, and then... Basically, was just like, well, I'm kind of in at the radio station. He's just like, maybe, you know, I could go to the Padres home opener as the chicken. Okay. And they're like, okay. So, fair idea. Good yeah. idea. And Ted admits years later, he was just like, I just wanted to go, I to, just the wanted to, go to the game. Yeah. I wanted free tickets to a, to a Padres. Game. I mean, might as well. Yeah. So, at the time, to give you some background on the Padres, uh, they were about a half decade old at this point. The name Spanish for fathers refers to the Spanish uh, Franciscan friars who founded uh, San Diego in 1769. The team had played in the Pacific Coast League, as we had talked Mm -hmm. about briefly, Mm -hmm. uh, since the 30s uh, and were the first stop for Ted Williams and his Hall of Fame career. In 1969, they finally joined the major leagues in the National League. Uh, The team stunk for nearly the first decade of existence, finishing last in the West their first six years in the league. Yeah, so they finished last the first six years, winning no more than 73 games for their first nine seasons. Ooh. Yeah. So they were last for the first six years and never better than 73 games for pretty much the first decade. Right. Um. So the home opener was against the L.A. Dodgers, who were very good at the time. Yeah. And Ted just loved baseball and wanted to be at the game. Mm -hmm. So the station got him a ticket, and he showed up dressed as the chicken. As he went through security, he was stopped, and security made a call to the Padres' then-president, Buzzy Bavassi. There's a man in a chicken suit here, Bavassi was told. Does he have a ticket, Bavassi asked. (laughs) Yes, the security guard said. Then let him in, Bavassi said. (laughs) so he's not discriminating yeah yeah got a ticket yeah um so once again ted had no idea what fate had in store for him he shuffled around the stadium playing his part perfectly looking for laughs and so wait so this wasn't arranged with the team no okay so the radio station just got him a ticket and was like here you go and it was his idea it was just like yeah just send me to the game i'll I'll hand out some more like kgb rock promotional like okay t-shirts and stuff it just seems like something that just like couldn't happen today like i don't think yeah, well, I yeah. guess like it kind of could, but like yeah, but uh, as anyway. uh, the, the crazy like the amount of like things that had to line up for this to take place is yeah. absolutely. Astounding. I just I just imagined it more of a big publicity thing. Obviously, he's just he's just going to the game dressed yeah. as the chicken. Yeah. Okay, yeah. So uh, uh, yeah, so he goes to this game. Uh, I believe it's 1974, uh, and yeah, he's giving out prizes from the radio station, but he's also, he's good at drama, right? Mm -hmm, He's like mm -hmm. good at like... Yeah, he's an entertainer. So yeah, he's just going up and down the aisles through the concourse and stuff like that, trying to watch a little bit of the game, but but doing it. So this is also the famous home opener where new Padres owner Ray Kroc... Mm-hmm. The McDonald's guy, the McDonald's guy. grabbed the microphone. Ronald McDonald himself. Oh, yeah. no. This is the one where he's, he's never seen such stupid baseball playing in his life? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. He literally grabs the, the, the stadium microphone and goes And says up. that. Yeah. They, they lost 8 nothing that day. Oh. And uh, he probably wasn't happy that he lost his first home opener. Right. But Ted was there, dressed as the chicken, and he was like... As soon as this started happening, he booked it out of there because he was worried that the guy was going to be like, and there's a chicken. <laughs> My team sucks. And, and now I see a chicken. Everyone's laughing at the chicken. We're losing. That's an ex- that's an crazy train of logic. But yeah. Right but on. Ted, so Ted left at like the eighth inning or whatever, whenever that happened with Ray Kroc. Right. Uh, so, yeah, as fate would have it, uh, Ted's love of the game and dramatic talents created the perfect character. The radio station was thrilled when the press mentioned the chicken and the gig that was supposed to be a couple of weeks slowly turned into five years that nobody would see coming or that nobody saw coming and would end in a bitter divorce between Ted and the radio station. 
Exactly. What? Five years? Five years. So he went to every single Padres game now. He's going dressed as a chicken. He's just becoming the chicken guy at the stadium. But there's there's nothing to do with the team. I was going to say, yeah, okay. It's weird. It's so weird (laughs) that he's like going, okay, anyway, So he just convinced this station, like, hey, just buy me tickets and I'll keep going and entertaining people and it'll be cool. Um, So Padres fans ended up falling in love with this chicken. So eventually Ted caught the attention of the Padres front office, as you would if you know, yeah. All of a sudden, one year, a chicken man just keeps coming to you. Yeah, games. I mean, like the Marlins man catches people's attention. If you're dressed as a chicken, I imagine that would gather a lot of attention. Yeah. So he made his way from aisle to aisle, uh, section to section, used his vaudevillian antics to entertain fans and try to distract the opposing team. Mm-hmm. So once again, he's not on the field. He's just a guy with a ticket showing up every night to do this. His popularity grew and people started to take notice. He became somewhat of a local celebrity, appearing not just at baseball games, but popular events all around San Diego, representing the radio station, sometimes several times a day. In 1975, the KGB Chicken made a promotional appearance at the first ever Comic-Con convention, where he won the prize in their costume contest, but then had to return it because they realized he was a professional being paid to be there. (laughs) (laughs) That's crazy. He's a busy guy. Yeah. So in 1976, uh, he actually made it onto the field in Bush Stadium in St. Louis. He was How did he? He was invited by Keith Hernandez to arm wrestle on the field. Keith Hernandez? Yeah. Was playing for the Padres at the time? No, for the Cardinals. What? And, he, so, and he's like, hey, chicken guy. Like, I guess, yeah, he's not really working for the Padres, so I yeah. guess he's just like a yeah. hired gun. You yeah, can just well, be like, come was, on up here. And it was a rock radio station, right? True. So yeah. he was going like he was, he was going to these big concerts in L.A. and right. San Diego. Uh, he was going to the local San Diego hockey games as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he's just everywhere. Word gets out, and everyone starts talking about the San Diego chicken, and St. Louis invites him up for the homestand with uh, San Diego. Um, <laughs> it's ridiculous. Yeah. For an arm wrestler. Yeah. Uh, okay. So, <laughs> so he was named in 1976 sports performance MVP by the San Diego Evening Tribune, beating out the Padres pitcher who had actually won the Cy Young that year, oh, Randy Jones. <laughs> poor Randy. <laughs> the team sucks still, but... Yeah, but still. <laughs> the fucking guy in the chicken who arm-wrestled Keith Hernandez? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Seems so, unfair. Legendary San Diego Union sports editor Jack Murphy said, The chicken has the, the soul of a poet and is embryonic Charles... Ch- and he is an embryonic Charles, Charles Chaplin in chicken feathers. So, wow. I stumbled over Those that quote. high praise. <laughs> but high praises. The chicken has the soul of a poet. He is he is an embryonic Charles Chaplin in chicken feathers. Threw me off cuz it's Charles Chaplin, not Charlie Chaplin. Yeah. Um we understand. <laughs> he made Elvis laugh during a concert. <laughs> the chicken did. Yes. During a concert at the San Diego Sports Arena, the king himself actually stopped mid-song and doubled over in hysteria at the chicken's antics. What was the chicken doing? I don't know. Oh. <laughs> I didn't read that far into it. I was going to say. He was just... It must he was, have been something crazy. Yeah, well, he was just dancing. He's doing his chicken stuff. Elvis is playing. and Elvis is still a thing. And he made him laugh. Like, that's how legend... This is just... This guy was everywhere in pop culture at the time. So Ted was just thrilled that he kept to go to Padres games. He just loved going to baseball baseball games yeah. and concerts and just sports in general. He loved sports. Uh, I he think get, he didn't go home when all those years ago when he went down to the to the radio station. Exactly. Yeah. Think about it. So all these famous baseball players, rock stars, he gets to rub shoulders with all of them. At one point, he attended 520 Padres home games in a row. Uh, with a poor team on the field, the chicken gave fans entertainment that they thought even if the Padres were sitting in the basement of the NL West. But remember, the chicken didn't belong to the Padres. It belonged to KGB FM. Mm-hmm. 
The station was a rock station, and Ted used the, the stadium rock of the mid-70s in his act. Before the chicken, the only music played at a baseball game was organ music. Ted and KGB got the Padres uh, to play rock music over the sound system between innings, while Ted went on the field performing his comedy bits and entertaining fans during the gaps in play uh, to the audience's enjoyment and approval. Mm -hmm. So now he's on the field. Ahead of his time. Yeah. Yeah, so he's on the field. No mascots, really, at this time, Exactly. Okay. Uh, There is a few, but not like this. Not like this. Not rocking out and doing the whole thing. Um, Ted uh, pantomimed diving plays and got everyone involved, including the opposing team, the grounds crew, and even the umpires. He would pull out an eye chart to mock the umpires. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Classic. (laughs) Optometrist chart. Yeah. and uh, even coordinated some of the stunts with the umpires before the game. Okay. So you'd go and knock on and be like, yeah, yeah, right, I'm chicken. Right. And like, what do you guys think? Like, We're going to do this little skit yeah, yeah, or yeah. whatever. Yeah. So uh, sometimes he would... <laughs> Sometimes he would steal vendors' baskets and run through the section tossing peanuts to fans while the vendor gave chase. That'd be awesome. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I'm going to need to get this chicken out of retirement and bring yeah. him up to Toronto. Yeah. The fans ate it up, and the chicken created unprecedented fan engagement during the lulls in the game. In 1977, Giannoulis almost caused a diplomatic crisis. <laughs> what? excuse me (laughs) the san diego mariners hockey club was set to face off against a championship team from russia the radio station sent ted to the game of course because what league was this it was just the san diego mariners i think were an ahl team or something like that and it was just one of those like visiting soviet like all-star squads right right they were coming through town um so so he's at the game. He's at the game. He stands behind the goalie, Russian goalie or Soviet goalie during during warm up, right. uh, pretending to curse and moon Russian players. So he's pretending to moon them and probably just yelling some gibberish that sounds like Russian. Uh, and uh, Russians were offended by the giant chicken wearing KGB across its chest because, of course, they kind of would <laughs> yeah. be. Um, so they I was going to mention that earlier in the episode. But. So th- they go back to their, their dressing room after the warm-up, and then they say they refused to play until the foul was removed from the arena. The foul. The foul. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> um, they believed that he was mocking them and their intelligence service as... As they would. Yeah. Instead right. of being a simple radio mascot that just mm. happened to be KGB radio. Just being the call letters yeah. of a radio station. Yeah. Yeah. The game was delayed 20 minutes until this was explained to the Russian team. No, no. <laughs> it's just a radio chicken. No one's saying that your secret agents are chickens. No one's calling you guys chickens. No one's calling you guys chickens. We just don't nuke us. <laughs> It's just the hockey game. Press a radio chicken. President Carter's been called. Yeah. It's going to explain the situation. Now, guys, it's just a radio chicken. It's just a radio chicken. No one is calling you guys chickens. <laughs> Carry on. Uh, in uh, 1978, the Philadelphia Phillies debuted the Philly Fanatic. Uh, after promotional director Frank Sullivan thought the team needed a mascot similar to the Padres' San Diego Chicken, even though it's not the Padres' San Diego Chicken. The Fanatic replaced Philadelphia Phil and Philadelphia Phyllis, a pair of siblings dressed in, like, 18th century garb. So they just had boring-ass mascots before this. Okay. So Why why did they have to, like... Why did they have to go anywhere? Because they weren't entertaining. Yeah, but, like, they could have just had them on a smaller scale. Yeah, I'm sure they might still have some poor people dress up as right. them, everyone. But we got the fanatic. Get rid of the history. Get We'll get a green blob. Yeah, exactly. Nice. So, in 1978, the Padres started to be actually kind of good. Uh, they were led by rising star Dave Winfield, as well as Gene Tennis and Raleigh Fingers, who had left the dysfunctional Charles Finley's A's to join the basement dwelling Padres because anything was better at that point in their minds. Yeah, uh, the team hovered around 500, and August winning streak put the team over 500 for the first time uh, that late into a season. And even though they didn't make the playoffs, the team finished with a respectable 84 and 78 record, the first winning year in franchise history. So this is 1970. Nice. That's pretty good. Yeah. So this has been Ted's been at the games now for for a few years. Uh, 
1978 as well, the Padres hosted the MLB All-Star Game for the first time. Winfield and Fingers represented the home team on the field, but the biggest All-Star from San Diego that year was the chicken. Of course. Yes. So, well, he was better than the Cy Young guy that one year. So, <laughs> yeah. in '75 or '76, uh, yeah. yeah, with a with a national audience uh, and uh, about fifty one thousand fans in the stadium, the chicken got a real taste of the national spotlight, and his popularity exploded. This is when things start to get really fucking crazy, and we'll start with another person that we're gonna do an episode on one day: Atlanta owner Ted, Ted Turner. Turner. So, <laughs> billionaire Ted. So after this, so I believe this was in early September of that year. So in July, the All Star Game, everyone's talking about the chicken because mm-hmm. <laughs> chicken, right? Um, so Ted Turner uh, calls up and invites Ted to uh, Atlanta uh, to entertain his fans. So what the fuck? Yeah. Like, so Ted doesn't really tell Ted this, but he goes to uh, the San Diego... Okay, hold on. You're talking about two guys named Ted. Oh, fuck, yeah. So, Tur- Tur- yeah, refer yeah. to Ted Turner as Turner. I, and, I, and I should go back. I don't know if if, if uh, Giannoulis, uh, the San Diego chicken, knew about this or not beforehand, but Ted Turner offers a trade to the Padres. For who? For a backup catcher. Who the Padres really needed at the time. Okay. So oh. he's saying, you give me the chicken, and I'll give you a backup catch. Okay. <laughs> um, That's insane. Yeah. Because he's not even Ted on Turner, the chicken. Yeah. He's not even on the Padres. Yeah, so the, the pod- Did the Padres take it? No. Why not? Because they don't own this chicken. This chicken They should have done it. Yeah, well. Billionaire Ted wouldn't have said anything. I wonder if they, well, I mean, I wonder if anybody, you can't just train a human being unless they're a baseball player for some reason did you know that ted turner wanted to like put he had a i forget what player it was but he had a player that was number 17 Uh and he wanted like the players to be able to put nicknames on their jerseys (laughs) so he wanted number 17 to have channel on it because his channel the superstation was channel 17 that's why we're doing an episode on this man but for now the padres go like, we can't do that. We literally can't right. do that. We would love to do that. Right. We but need we a backup catcher. Yeah, we don't own the rights to the chicken. Though. So Turner flew Giannoulis to Atlanta to perform for the Braves fans mm-hmm. uh, in early September. And he offered him, while he was there, $50,000 to relocate. Okay. So Turner's making... What a, year is this? 79? 78. 78. Yep. Splitting hairs, but yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, still... It's a good amount of money. Uh, yeah. I will get to how much money it actually is. Did you do you have that fact? Yeah, Giannoulis balked at the offer, and then Turner said, "Well, screw fifty. I'll give you a hundred thousand dollars, a television show, and an office next to Hank Aaron." Ted Turner's insane. Yeah, but awesome. So, a hundred thousand dollars in then to today is about four hundred thousand dollars today. Okay. So. Ted Turner says, I'll give you $400,000, a TV show on my television network, and, and an, an office next, next to the Hank greatest Aaron. player ever. And what, why a mascot really needs an office, I guess it's like a changing room. <laughs> but, yeah. Uh, so, this is what happens. Wow. Yeah. So... Does he take that? I Well, Ted keeps... Uh, he's, he's not saying yes. Turner reportedly <laughs> said... Come with me, and I'll make you bigger than Mickey Mouse. <laughs> Ted Turner is fucking awesome. <laughs> but Giannoulis didn't commit on the spot and instead returned to San Diego to think about the offer. Also, like, he works for this radio station at right. this point. Yeah. Like, he, he doesn't, he's not really a free man just to, like, take the chicken suit and leave, mm-hmm. right? Um, yeah, that's true, I guess. Yeah. So this contract offer was leaked to the press, to the San Diego press, and it became front page news. Wow. So the chicken man is getting front page news coverage and it's saying, could the San Diego chicken really be leaving? So Giannoulis uh, approached KGB management and used Turner's offer for leverage. As you should. And guess how much he got paid a year after that? A hundred and fifty thousand. No, but still, 
He got a $50,000 contract a year Mm -hmm. to be the chicken now. Just once again, that's probably in today's term around like $180,000 to Mm $200,000 a year. Mm -hmm. So he is just like, yeah. When he first started at the zoo five years earlier. But he doesn't have a TV show now. No, he doesn't. But at the same point, he couldn't, it wasn't really his to take and leave with either. True, true. So okay, yeah. So he used that as leverage to to, to, to get some more. Out of, okay, okay. I see where he's Greek coming from. Family, like I don't want to talk for Greek people, but I feel there would be a lot of There'd guilt be a loyalty there. there. Yeah, yeah. If, okay. if if you right, were right. just like I'm just moving dip. to Atlanta because this crazy old man offered me money in a TV show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I get. It. Yeah, okay. Yeah, um, he also was granted permission to take the act out of town and get personal like payments for his appearances mm-hmm. so kgb the radio station would he would have to still work for them yeah but he gets fifty thousand a year mm-hmm. and he can do side gigs with yeah it. like if turner calls you up and says come and entertain yeah, yeah. by all means go and do so it. you're making 50 g's a year once again it was around two hundred thousand dollars and you can charge like whatever, whatever. like yeah, probably for like public a five thousand dollar public appearance fee yeah so on weekends you can go and make you know Double mm-hmm. that. And go to uh, Comic-Con and yeah, all those all things. that stuff. So uh, the chicken was doing wonders for the Padres and the radio station. Uh, the radio station, when it first started, was fifth in San Diego. Now it's first in San Diego. Uh, Gianulis won an Emmy for a KGB radio commercial that he did. He was awarded what? a commendation from the state legislature, legislature for his comedy contributions to the state of California. Uh, local sports, San Diego sports star Tony Gwynn even talked about going to games just to see the chicken, and 11% of fans surveyed said they went to the Padres games just to see the chicken. So, <laughs> wow. Just wild. What so, a draw. Yeah, so he knows he's a star. He's making like hundreds of thousands of dollars in today's money, right. um, and started to act more independently from the station's management, as he had kind of been granted permission to do. Um, and you'll see he even bought the copyright from the costume manufacturer with his own money when the radio station refused to buy it. Mm -hmm. So basically what happened was... So now he owns the chicken. Yeah. The likeness of the chicken. Well, the, yeah, well, the, the costume maker basically said like, Hey, I'm going to like make more chicken suits and like sell them. Yeah. Unless you guys want to like buy me out for it, essentially, which would probably be the you know easiest way to make a lot of money quick, mm-hmm. right? So I don't know how much Ted paid for that, uh, but he bought the copyright to the costume, so there couldn't just be like the same costume mass produced, right? Okay. Uh, so he, uh, uh, yeah. So he began appearing everywhere: NBA games, concerts, conferences, all on his own personal making money, not just the radio station sending him there. Mm-hmm. Um, so on May fourth, uh, the chicken appeared. This is nineteen seventy nine, I believe. The chicken appeared at a nationally televised NBA game in Seattle, and he did not have the radio station letters across his chest. Oh, so people were pissed. Nobody really. Not the but Russians. The radio. Yeah, the, <laughs> the Russians were happy. The Russians were pleased. Um, oh, <laughs> we we forgive chicken now. The foul, foul. Yeah, we forgive foul. <laughs> um, this caused a riff uh, between uh, Giannoulis and the station's management, uh, and Giannoulis was fired. And the station. Why no- didn't it have the letters though? I don't really know. There's no explanation for that. I didn't... I don't have it for you, at least today. Okay. It does seem like maybe he was getting a little bit, like, you know... The relationship was getting rocky. Yeah, but, like... Or he was was such a star at this point. Like, he's appearing everywhere. Mm -hmm. He was just like, oh, whatever. I'm in Seattle. Nobody will know. Well, they found out. Right. So they fired him. And the station brought a $250,000 lawsuit against him for breach of contract. So once again, that's like a million-dollar lawsuit. Uh Uh, He was barred from performing as the chicken on May 23rd by a judge. So a couple weeks later, he he can't be the chicken anymore. Another unnamed employee was hired to don the chicken outfit at the Padres games. It did not go Uh, well. So now it's a Padres chicken. No, no, no. It's still the radio station chicken. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay, okay. The radio Sorry, station yeah, just... Yeah, yeah. But just a new guy to go to the Padres games. Yeah. Right. And it did not go well. Fans, many of whom were aware Giannoulis was not in the outfit, 
booed the chicken loudly and forced him <laughs> off the field. <laughs> Boo! You're not the real chicken! Get out of here! We, don't, we want Ted! Where's Giannoulis? Boo! So not only did they boo the fake chicken, they began picketing the radio station and no. different radio station events. Um, we feel like chicken tonight. Yeah. Chicken t- so anywhere they send this new chicken, fans are like, No! <laughs> <laughs> like I literally saw photo, like like video of fans like marching like they were on strike. Yeah. Like outside of an event, being like, "Not the real chicken." <laughs> so, like striking union workers, the fans made signs proclaiming KGB treated dead unfairly and asking others to boycott the new bird. Giannoulis knew he had the support of the San Diego Padres and Padres Nation, or of San Diego, at least, and Padres Nation. He began to devise a plan with the help of his mother, who, as I briefly mentioned, was was a a seamstress, trained seamstress. uh, He approached uh, president of the Padres, then uh, Ballard Smith, with a plan. He knew he would need money for his legal fees, so he negotiated a fee with the Padres uh, I fucking love I forgot about this part and it's the best part of the whole story Genius <laughs> would end up getting a $1.50 uh, payment for every ticket sale over 18,000 tickets to this game Genius and the Padres began to develop a brilliant promotion the Grand Hatching Oh my god. So that's a good deal though too by the way. Yeah, yeah. You know. So basically I think that was around the number might be a little slightly different, but it was basically the average attendance for a home game. Right. So he was like, "Okay, Padres, you get to keep that." Yeah. And then everything above that we like I get a buck 50. From. I get a buck 50. I think he first he said 2 bucks mm-hmm. and then the dude was just and like And this one is at like, what Griffith Stadium? Yeah, yeah. Well, it's the yeah. Um, no, San, it's like San Diego Municipal Stadium. There is like, uh, uh, what's it name? I'm forgetting it because I researched this like three weeks ago. Um, but yeah, it is absolutely amazing. So remember the judge didn't, uh, it was May 23rd, the judge barred him from doing his thing. Mm-hmm. So they set the date for June 29th, 1979. A couple weeks before, or a week before, an eight-foot styrofoam egg was placed in the right field pavilion. Ted gave interviews to everyone he could, hyping up the event, knowing that the more people showed up, the more money he'd get to fight his lawsuit that was Mm -hmm. brought against him by the radio station. But the night before the event, the egg disappeared. What? The egg. The egg disappeared. It's an eight foot tall egg in the right field pavilion. That's what I'm saying. How did that disappear? Yeah. It disappeared. Ted and the Padres suspected that it was the radio station trying to sabotage the oh, event. Oh, okay. But the truth was a, a lot less devious and way more idiotic. <laughs> okay. Two drunk Padre fans hid in the washroom after the game and had stolen the egg after the stadium emptied. <laughs> <laughs> how do you feel how do you steal like an eight to ten like how do you get that home even if you have a truck what's it made of it's styrofoam oh okay so it's not that heavy it's not that heavy but like it's still giant right and like unless you drove a cube van to the fucking ballpark <laughs> that's that true okay did you bring straps yeah i did all right let's get the fucking egg yeah <laughs> so the theft of the egg became news all across san diego a local news station was con- contacted by the drunken thieves, so like it hits the news. Mm-hmm. It's like ten o'clock tonight. The egg is missing. We don't know where the egg is. Police are investigating, and these guys were like, "Oh shit, they're um, looking for us." <laughs> so oh, local, no, it's on lo- the roof. Yeah, local news station was contacted uh, with the man's ransom. They wanted no charges to be brought up against them. Twelve tickets to the game and unlimited beer for them and their guests. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's should they steal the egg? Should they steal the now egg. They're using and now it as a bargaining chip <laughs> to get free beer and more Padres yeah. tickets. But there's nothing inside the egg. There's nothing inside okay. the egg. But it's, it's just a, a big, prop so far. Yeah, but it, right. it's a very important prop. 
it, well, yeah, it's the grand but... hatching. So Giannoulis and the Padres had to negotiate with these men. I feel like it would just be cheaper to get another one. Probably, but could you get it? It's literally the night before. Uh, right. Yeah. yeah. So like they're like time is the enemy. Yeah. So it hits the news that night, and by the next morning, they're like ransoming mm-hmm. for this mm-hmm. goddamn egg. Listen, we got uh, your egg. So- <laughs> <laughs> We want a lot of beer. First demand is a lot of beer. Absolute you don't know tickets. who we are. Absolute tickets. So yeah, we want 12 tickets. We want 12 tickets to the game. And don't arrest us. Exactly. So they that's exactly what happened. That's the funny part. That's exactly what happened. What you it probably sounded exactly yeah, like some, that. I feel like the beer was the first demand. Yeah. yeah. So they talked them down. Uh, and uh, I don't know if it ended up being $20 worth of beer each or just $20, but they got four tickets and $20 for the safe return, $20 worth of beer right. for the safe return of the egg. Okay. I'm assuming in 1979, it's like beers like a buck or two. So uh, 20 like bucks less goes, than that. 20 bucks goes a long way for, yeah, for yeah. four tickets and beer. Um, so uh, with the egg safely returned, which just made the event that much more grander. Yeah. Um, so it caused extra publicity. The game is sold out. So it's like, once again, like mm-hmm. 48, mm-hmm. 50,000 people. So Ted's making bank tonight. And yeah. so are the Padres. Yeah. Um, so the team took advantage of the theft and had the egg loaded onto a Brinks truck that got a police escort to the stadium. So Really? Yeah. The game sold out. Yeah. There's so many fans. Just beside third base, the eight-foot-tall egg was lowered off the Brinks truck's by several Padres players and placed on the ground. A few seconds later, the egg began to stir. It began to roll around, and the theme of 2001, A Space Odyssey, was playing. Yeah, Wagner? Yeah, I don't know exactly, but anyways. So you can imagine this. The egg's just moving. The crowd chanted, We want the chicken! We want the chicken! So... After several seconds, which watching it on YouTube, because you can find this on YouTube, doesn't seem that long, but either way, Padre's VP of Marketing, who was standing next to the egg, was saying, Okay, Ted, come out. Come out, Ted. So, unknown to everyone else, Ted was inside, kicking around on, like, the egg was, I guess he was just trying to pop out right away, but he was just, so he's in this egg and he's trying to bash his way out of this egg but it doesn't break the first couple of kicks right how did he get in well that's the thing is they'd only think there was a latch or whatever i guess to get in that was like sealed stuck up stuck a plug in there yeah, or something but he hadn't been able to practice cuz he had just got one big styrofoam egg yeah so he's well and it was stolen yeah, he, yeah, he yeah, couldn't yeah. have a dress for her so. well he, even if he could he's trying to break it apart into right. several thousand whatever pieces right. um so <laughs> The moment the big reveal felt like it might become a flop. And then with all his might, Ted kicks and the shell splits apart and the San Diego chicken was reborn. (laughs) I got to look this up. Uh, (laughs) He emerged to the roaring crowd on their feet, lungs bursting with cheers, as loud as an ovation as anyone has ever received at a baseball game. Yeah. He flexed his wings triumphantly, reborn a free chicken. Giannoulis said as he ran around the field, seeing the standing ovation, he was actually crying underneath the giant oversized chicken head. So him and his mom designed this whole new costume Uh that looks similar, but not the same. Okay. Um, So the Padres lose the game 4-1. to Terry Pohl uh, actually led off the game with a home run off Gaylord Perry from the Padres. Um, But the fans couldn't care less. Uh, the hatching was a national news event, and it netted Giannoulis over $40,000 in for his legal fees. Nice. Yeah, but at the same point, he would need it because the radio station filed another lawsuit because he appeared in a different chicken costume and basically were like... That's not the suit, man. Yeah. So in 1980... A San Diego judge dismissed the second suit, claiming Giannoulis' chicken costume was not substantially similar to the KGB chicken suit. In one of the weirdest days in legal history, the two chicken costumes were both worn into the courtroom (laughs) so the court could see how they compared. The judge proclaimed, No one can have a monopoly on chicken costumes. (laughs) (laughs) Well, he's right. Yeah. But <laughs> so that's, there's that's 
a ridiculous statement yeah. that was said in court. Yeah, this is how ridiculous America is in baseball. Uh, the breach <laughs> of contract suit dragged forward, though, making it all the way up to the California Supreme Court. Justice Gerald Brown said the lawsuit, silly, though the issues appear, at first glance, the underlying principles are actually very serious. In the end, the court ruled in Giannoulis' favor, once again stating that the suits were not substantially similar. So, yeah, but at the same point, he wore it without the KGB on it. Uh, and the, But they basically rule, like, you own the character. It's your character. Like, uh -huh. they didn't really hire you to do this. Like, uh -huh. They're just fucking lucky that they got you. Yeah. And as we know, it's kind of true. Uh -huh. um, so, basically... He had no repercussions, uh, but he couldn't appear as the KGB chicken ever again, right. which is fine. Yeah, he doesn't care. He doesn't care. He's got his own chicken suit now. So he was free to do what he wanted. The chicken began making appearances everywhere. He recorded a cover of Rod Stewart's Do You Think I'm Sexy? <laughs> he appeared in McDonald's commercials throughout the 80s alongside Ronald McDonald and was featured on the box of Kellogg's Corn Flakes. So, Amazing. He's this giant chicken star. Uh, Giannoulis also partnered up with Johnny Bench and Tommy Lasorda to create the Saturday morning kids show, The Baseball Bunch. So, 1980s people, you'd remember this. You've probably all seen on Twitter and YouTube and stuff. Uh, so, it's just a silly little Sunday morning kids show. Uh, but it allowed Giannoulis to get a huge, huge you following. Know, following. Yeah. And he also got to meet his idol, Ted Williams. Good for you. Nice. Yeah. nice. So, the accolades kept pouring in. Miami Herald sports writer Rob Rubin praised... Praise Giannoulis' contribution to TV and writing. Uh, the Chicken may be the most gifted physical comic since Curly, Larry, and Moe. <laughs> That's high praise, too. Yeah. So he appears at for three straight presidents uh, with uh, Jimmy Carter, Ronald Reagan, and George H.W. Bush. So he makes appearances at the White uh -huh. House. Uh -huh. He also appeared at the first T-ball game held in the White House in uh, 2001. Um, so four out of five presidents. Wow, what a long career. Yeah. Not everyone loved his antics, though. In 1984, the Padres did something they had never done before. Led by a young Tony Gwynn in his first full season, they won the NL West and made the playoffs. Not only that, but they beat the Cubs after going down 2-0 in a best-of-five NL championship series to make the World Series. The Chicken was, of course, a prominent figure with much of the team promotion based around Giannoulis' act. We want a pennant. We win the pennant, and they want to make the chicken bigger than the team. Complained Padres GM Jack McKeon. Mm -hmm. So it's a fair, fair uh, complaint. Yeah. He, so he growled. He's just like, hey, just do your act and get uh, get the hell off the field. <laughs> so yeah, he's excited that he's got a championship baseball club, and everyone's yeah. still talking about the chicken. Yeah. So Tommy Lasorda, who, as we know, was kind of friends with him. Uh huh. <laughs> once grabbed him by the throat and threatened him after he, in Lasorda's opinion, had disrespected the Dodgers logo on the field. Lasorda told CNN that he confronted the chicken on his way to the clubhouse, threw his hat on the ground, and said, Crush the hat! I dare you! When Giannoulis refused, Lasorda said, The next time you do that on the field, I'm going to grab you right there, tightening his th grip around his throat, and your <laughs> eyeballs are going to pop out. <laughs> Lasorda was crazy when it yeah. came to mascots. You yeah. see, like, he he was the one you're wearing an Expo shirt. He yeah. kicked Yuppie out of the stadium that one time. For, Absolutely. For dancing on the dugout. And these guys are friends, right? So apparently <laughs> yeah. he was, like, throwing, they're taking the hats and, like, stomping on, I guess, on the field and mm -hmm. sort of took that really personally. Mm -hmm. um, so Lou Pinella once threw his glove at the chicken uh, while he was trying to perform a hex on Yankee starter Ron Gurdry. Um so, yeah, there's, okay. there's multiple runnings he has over the years. Yeah, yeah. Um, The chicken became synonymous with the Padres, of course, and was one of the most famous mascots in history, appearing on merchandise, cereal boxes, magazines, commercials, as we talked about. He got his own baseball card and Sporting Life magazine, uh, the one Giannis had grew, grown up reading cover to cover, named him one of the one, most 100 most powerful sports figures in the 20th century, placing him right behind Wayne Gretzky. Wow. Yeah. So I mean, I, 
I don't know if that's an accurate placement, but he definitely sounds like he was totally influential and had a long career as just making public appearances dressed in a chicken suit, which is <laughs> fucking awesome. Yes. So he also, this was not the end of his legal uh, issues as well. Okay. So over the years, the chicken faced many lawsuits for his antics. In 1982, pitcher Don Schultz sued him for $2 million, claiming the chicken separated his shoulder during an exhibition game in 1981. The lawsuit was dismissed by a jury after her video showed uh, Schlees uh, simply tripped over the chicken's giant feet. <laughs> so, uh, the owners of Barney the Purple Dinosaur sued Giannoulis in 1999 when he performed a skit on field beating a Barney lookalike that they had named Duffy the Dragon. Uh, that one witness account I read. One witness account I read looked at <laughs> looked an awful lot like Barney. Like, yeah, it was it was pretty. Still, the court ruled that the act was parody and ruled in Giannoulis' favor. Like, you're First Amendment. You're allowed to parody something. Yeah. Right? So Still a crazy thing to parody, though. <laughs> in uh, getting back to another one of our old episodes, in 2004, Giannoulis successfully fended off a lawsuit filed by a fan hit by a foul ball at a Dayton Dragons game who claimed that she was distracted by the chicken. Mm-hmm. So that's bullshit. We know you can't do that. And it's just like, well, it's a new one. Yeah. Uh, it was a giant chicken and a foul ball hit me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And they're like, baseball rule. Yeah. Um, so his Torch antics. Law. So his antics did cost him on one occasion, though. A Chicago Bulls cheerleader su- sued Genulis in 1996, five years after the chicken uh, at a Bulls game in January 1991, when the chicken grabbed the cheerleader during halftime forced her to do a quick dance, then rolled her on the floor. Which, like, yeah, yeah, sure, if you don't discuss that ahead of time. Uh, The cheerleader claims she severely hurt her elbow and jaw while while they tumbled uh, against the hardwood floor. This forced her to give up cheerleading, uh, and she was awarded $317,000 by a jury. Mm -hmm. So, but we all know Genolis is making way more than that over his long, distinguished career. Especially now that he's not just the Padres chicken, like he's he's just... the world's chicken, <laughs> <laughs> world class poultry. Right. Uh, to this day, great A. So to this day, the chicken can still draw a crowd, especially in San Diego. Even though he is kind of semi-retired, uh, in July 2019, Petco Park sold out as fans clamored to see a 65-year-old Giannoulis perform as the chicken live and grab a San Diego chicken bobblehead. So. As early as 2019, nah. he was back on the field. Uh, Should have gone that day. Yeah, his his age slowed down, uh, but slowed him down. But his knack for performance hasn't. He started including kids in his act. Uh, he'd mark march around like a, you can see this on YouTube. He's marching the kids around the field, and they're dressed as like miniature chickens. And he comes up and he like you know pretends to take a whiz on the umpire, and then the little kids do the same suit. Yeah, yeah but like yeah. some of them are like just weird it's great yeah uh, the bit normally yeah. sounds like he's got some weird bits yeah uh he has included some of his uh, favorite uh chicks i guess you could call them his mm-hmm. uh, young chickens have included tony gwen's son and daughter and even a young nick swisher oh really yeah so that yeah. must have been back in like the 90s i, I was guess gonna say, yeah. yeah nick swisher was uh, is definitely retired by now yeah um so the san diego chicken is rec- re- recognized as sports first true mascot revolutionizing the downtime during the during a game inspiring countless other acts he brought rock music to stadiums and entertained during halftime in basketball games as well so Rock music and baseball stadiums mm-hmm. and halftime entertainment did not exist before the fucking chicken. Well, yeah. So at basketball games, I guess, in between, it was just you stare at the empty court. Yeah. Um, the chicken has made more than 17... Probably cheerleader or whatever, but... No, but that, before, there, there was... No. None of that? This is a revolutionary chicken, man. Okay. All right. So he's made more than 17,000 appearances in Holy over shit. the 45 years that he's been performing in all 50 states, seven Canadian provinces, and nine countries. 
The New York Times called him perhaps the most influential mascot in sports history. Even though he was never officially the Padres mascot, the San Diego Chicken was put into the ma uh, Mascot Hall of Fame in 2005. There's a Mascot Hall of Fame? I guess. I don't where know where is that? that? Let's look it up. we got to find that uh, out. In 2020, uh, Gene Ellis wrote an op-ed for the Washington Post about the importance of mascots even during the time of COVID uh, and reflected on his long career. The San Diego Chicken is featured in the Baseball Hall of Fame uh, it's also featured in Gerald Ford's Presidential Library in Michigan. <laughs> Ted has signed over two million autographs, and the stories <laughs> of his patience and willingness to stay and meet every one of every single one of his fans, no matter how long the line, are countless. Uh, Ted has shown his Ted has never shown his face. That is really yeah, refusing to reveal his true public appearance publicly, even turning down multiple paid requests to reveal himself. He says he enjoys the Batman mystique. He wore a paper bag over his head during a court date. <laughs> Did they make him take it off? I don't well, but like, they had to. Have. Well, I think at the time Turn those cameras off. Yeah. <laughs> I think at the time so like I mean tonight on Court TV. I guess maybe they couldn't have cameras back then in the court, but either way, he's he does his best to hide his his thing. He in an interview with him he was just like, "Yeah, sometimes like I like pay with my credit card and someone's just like and I'm like, yeah, like, but like, you yeah, know, he's yeah. just like, I don't do it publicly. Like when uh -huh. I'm at an event, I never take it off. And uh -huh. when I can, I just, you know, I like to be me, but he's also like five foot two. So anyways, yeah, yeah. Uh, Gene told the San Diego Star Tribune in July, 2019, I've always said this and I ferv and fervently believe this. It was San Diego fans who put me on the map with their laughter. This was the city for it. It was the perfect storm. These people have a festive, party-like attitude where winning and losing is important, but doesn't get in the way of having a great night for them. And that's the story of the San Diego chicken. Hmm. That's, like... That had way more to it than I thought it would. And, and on top of it, I didn't know that he... I thought he was the San Diego Padres mascot the whole time. He was just some random guy that he, went worked for a radio station yeah. and went there and then got super popular somehow. Exactly. And basically started the whole trend that now every stadium or every team has. Every team has their own chicken now. Well, they're, they're, yeah, he's definitely started the like weird mascot like part because yeah. like he definitely just. He took it through and just and just made something that just didn't exist before, mm -hmm. and it was completely random. The universe, like this, is like the ultimate, like just like some people. There's just a plan for you, mm -hmm. <laughs> like his it's dad. Just, it just like happens. Yeah, his, his, the carpet is just laid before yeah, you. They move from Greece to North America. They just happen to end up in London. Then they just happen to go to San Diego and his dad yeah. loves it and they yeah. move to San Diego. And He's then, getting buddies at the radio station yeah. and he, he goes and hangs out with them and, and the it, dude shows up from KGB. And, yeah. You know. It's just, there's so many little things that could have gone slightly different Yeah, and then none of that happens. But that's what I mean. That's what it was, I was sitting on this story being like, dude, like, you don't know. That's yeah. what I told you. You're yeah. guessing. I'm like, no, you have no idea. Yeah. <laughs> you have no idea. And I oh. knew that, like, sports writers started the beginning was going to be a little yeah, bit of a, a little bit ball. of deception there. Yeah. But one thing I want to say is, like, when you were talking, it was a little bit, like, wrestling-ish there. Like, when you were talking about the – and I'm, I, I'm almost certain that the, the WWF ripped this – uh, chicken hatching off because the whole time you were talking about the the hatching of the styrofoam egg, all I could think of was the the hatch the unveiling of the gobbledygooker, which was like you know essentially a San Diego chicken ripoff. Yeah, and it was a total flop of a character. Obviously, it's not a very good wrestling character, but again, like that's just. You know, another example of this guy setting a trend and, you know, the biggest, uh, some, one of the biggest, like, conglomerates in entertainment, like, copying that yep. uh, thing because it was successful, you know? Yeah. Well, it makes you, like, like, believe, like, just how, like, amazing. Like, first of all, like, just how much money he made doing this as well yeah like you just like you're 19 20 years old and you're just like 
well, I got a job uh, dressing up like a chicken, and that was that. Yep. <laughs> I had my retirement paid for. <laughs> yeah. I retired off dressing up like a chicken and pissing off the Russians at a hockey game. <laughs> I get to urinate on empires. Yeah. <laughs> Um, the mascot hall of fame is in Whiting, Indiana, which is actually right on the way to Chicago. I was going to say, that's not too far out of our way. No, no. We can, next time we go to Chicago, uh, when COVID's over to, to see a game. Yeah. It's basically right at the Indiana, Illinois border there. Um, that sounds great. Yeah. uh, We'll go see the chicken. Yeah. We'll go see the chicken and, uh, follow us on Twitter at doing baseball and Instagram at doing dot baseball. Uh, listen to us on Spotify and tell your friends to find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you Give us a uh, review. Give us a review. Please, and, five stars. Just, I don't care. Badmouth us, but just give us five stars. Yeah, thanks, Jed and Dom, for the three-star review. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, until next time. I'm Sean. And I'm Eds. And we were doing the baseball. Okay, bye. Bye. Bye.